Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide live podcast. Today I'm really excited because it's a special weekend episode, and I am talking to a phenomenal woman, Sherelle Dorsey, who is the founder and CEO of The Plug, a distinctive black tech news and insight platform covering black innovation in tech, venture capital, future work policy, our favorite subject on the show, and more. Terrell has grown the media startup to thousands of subscribers, several hundred paid members, and raised over 500,000 in equity-free capital, which is amazing. A Seattle native, Terrell attended a computer and technical training program where she was mentored by black computer scientists, informatics experts like Trish Milanese Zico, which I've actually had on a past episode. Definitely make sure to check it out. Dithri Salim as well. The program helped her land consecutive summer internships at Microsoft throughout her high school career. And after graduating and working for designers and content marketing firms, working at the intersection of commerce and social media, Sherelle made her transition back into the tech world. She began her foray into journalism shortly after leaving college as a contributing writer for Fast Company, the Atlantic City Lab, The Root, Next City, Charlie Observer, and many others. So as you can hear and tell, she has such a great career that she's created, a legacy that she's created for herself in just a short lifespan. So I'm really excited to like dive deep with her about the plug, as well as what she refers to as the black innovation economy, which is really, really exciting. And also learn a little bit more about some of the stuff that she's working on right now and how she thinks COVID-19 has affected and spurred this kind of transition into the future work really seamlessly. So with that said, let me bring her on. Sherelle, hey. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for finding time and, you know, blessing us with your presence. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a pleasure. Um, you talk a lot about my favorite subjects. And I think obviously <laughs> at the you know, we're at this inflection point in the world where it's like, we have to like, we can't dance around anymore. We really have to be talking about like, what does the future of work look like, sound like, feel like, how do we prepare? So. Yeah. And, you know, I would love to kind of have you share a little bit about what inspired you to create the plug. You know, what, what was it before? Cause you worked with so many amazing papers and amazing brands. So what kind of triggered the creation of the plug? So there are a couple of things. I think being, you know, being in the tech industry and having such a great start with Trish Maline-Zuziko and the Technology Access Foundation and the work that they did early in the late 90s to bring kids of color into the tech space, it was such a momentous opportunity. Like I got to work at Microsoft in high school um, and really get exposed at an early age. And it was also fortuitous because my mentors happened to be black and brown folks. They happened to be women. And so when I eventually got into the, the the professional working world, it was vastly different from what I had experienced during my early years of high school. And so even though there was some level of representation, um, the the journalism wasn't really demonstrating who it is that we we are and what we've been working on, particularly from a black and brown community perspective. So as I was like continuing to stay up on top, on top of what was happening in innovation in general, I very rarely saw folks that look like myself being featured or being quoted. And I was like, well, my cousins went to Clark and Morehouse and Spelman and they got 
engineering degrees and worked for GM and worked as software developer for major companies. And so this kind of idea that we were missing from this idea of, of genius or innovation, it, it seems like we were missing so much of a story. And so again, you know, I, I didn't really set out to launch a publication. I just kind of begged editors to let me write about innovators that I was meeting, you know, as I was kind of hop, skipping and jumping from city to city for various projects and opportunities. And, you know, the plug really came about just by happenstance, because as I started writing and contributing to these other publications, more folks kind of started to know me as that the the black girl who covers, you know, black tech in a very kind of interesting way. Um, And so I eventually thought, you know, it might behoove me to kind of start a newsletter. Um, I want to say this was like 20, start of 2016 when like newsletters were all the rage. And I thought, let me just create a general newsletter of like where I'm going, particularly in terms of tech conferences, who I'm seeing, who I'm talking to, who I'm discovering, quote unquote, and start building some narratives, just like getting people who are already in this space, like engaged with there's a whole like subculture um, of a world that's not necessarily being recognized. And um, and then kind of from there, things really took off um, from newsletter to more folks subscribing to um, getting some really great brand partnerships and sponsorships that started to bring money into the newsletter. So I had really been still working full time, you know, kind of waking up at 5, 6 a.m. and pulling the wow. newsletter together Monday through Friday. It was really a labor of love, but I wanted to be a conduit of information and opportunity while I was also freelancing and working a full time job. Um, I just wanted to see better told stories, quite honestly, um, about who it is that we are. And as someone who just loves to talk about people's work and like uplift um, businesses and companies, I, I also knew that, you know, PR wasn't really where I wanted to be. <laughs> you know, like it, it was like I wanted to build something alongside people that were builders. Um, but more important, I wanted us to be able to start changing the language in which we refer to and call genius. Because yeah. a lot of times for people that look like me that come from backgrounds like mine, we're not ascribed that idea of genius. You know, the first startup I worked at was my aunt's hair salon, you know, wow. and, then, and then I went to Microsoft. Right. But like people will 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 zero in on the Microsoft and I'm like, but I, I learned customer service. I learn, I learn, you know, the operations of opening a business and and managing clientele from working at the hair salon. And so I wanted us to sort of have a much more wide spectrum of what business innovation looked like in our communities, who's able to lead them, and then also really create kind of this sense of responsibility for the newsroom to say, why are we only covering what Elon Musk says? Or why are we only covering what Bill Gates says? Why are we referring to people as the next Zuckerberg, uh, Mark Zuckerberg? I'm like, I don't look like Mark Zuckerberg. I don't have Mark Zuckerberg's background. Maybe I'll be the next Joel um, Burke Solomon, you yeah. know? Maybe my nieces will be a Savitra Wilson or a Tope Awatana. I mean, there's so many other individuals to choose from and which can help to identify in communities that we hail from um, that we can aspire to become. You know, I mean, being able to see Trish, uh, you know, from the Technology Access Foundation growing up, it was like, oh, here's this Black woman, like, in this space of computers. And, like, you know, it feels nerdy, but, like, she's doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that that matters a great deal. And so that was really, like, how the plug came, kind of came about. Um, and, and since then, it has really grown and proliferated and, and evolved. And I think that has also coincided with my 
with kind of my personal journey into understanding where we're missing in conversations. And I think even as we talk about the future of work, we know just by by the stats show that black and brown communities will be automated out, out of jobs because we over-index jobs that are service-based that are going to be replaced by machines. Wow. And so those things concerned me, even just from an, an, an information perspective, I felt like, how are we brokering information about how to take this journey into tech or take this journey into more higher paid opportunities? How do we build wealth for our families? Well, a lot of it starts in the literature and in the language. And if at the time our Black media publications aren't covering those things, or they don't have the resources to really create local news opportunities, sure. then you know how, how do we now get this information out so that we can continue to teach our communities how not to get left behind? Um, so anyway, that was a big mouthful. But that really is kind of the, the, the infrastructure and the decision making that really led me to say, you know what, this is this is my life's purpose. And it's a, it's going to be a large chunk of my life's work. So I'm going to go ahead and go full throttle and, and do something that I feel like has been building me up um, to this point. And I think what's so powerful, too, about that is that you're challenging a lot of the elitism that you see, that we see in the publication and journalism world on coverage on the Elon Musk, the Mark Zuckerbergs, when there's the Robert Smiths, the, you know, the Topes, the Jules Solomon Burks. And the reality is that they're just as amazing. They're doing just as, you know, groundbreaking work. But there was there isn't that visibility. And more importantly, they're not paying for their own journalism. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, too, I think, you know, the journalist industry has had its own sort of reckoning, right? I think that, mm. that business model has had to change drastically. Budgets have had to be cut. So in some cases, like news gathering has had to change. Yeah. And so you don't necessarily have the luxury of kind of taking your time to be in communities and to build stories, right? Mm. You kind of a quick turnaround, right? A lot of clickbait stuff or a lot of like, you assign, you're assigned it in the morning, you got to file it by that evening. And so for me as well, I knew that I couldn't compete as an independent, you know, as an independent, um, you know, journalist and in publication on, on um, sort of quantity. But yeah. I step back and think about quality and think about how do we slow things down in a world where everything is vying for our attention. Everything's supposed to be quick and fast and dopamine rushes versus how do I build work that people have to sit and grapple with and learn from, you know, that they have to return to, to digest. And I think that's kind of what always kind of drive our thinking um, and, and also um, just rationale behind how we pull stories. And if it takes time, it takes time. You know, we're not, we're publishing maybe two to three days a week versus two to three stories a day. Um, and I think that, you know, especially when we look at just the oversaturation of so much, the, the reality is that it's okay to kind of slow things down a bit. Like, let's mm. think about what we're thinking about. Let's think about who we're becoming um, and not just like out, you know, digesting a ton of outrage, you know, things. Because I, I think that's kind of what a lot of kind of black stories, black media and even mainstream media, it's like, what's, what does the coverage look like? It's, it's violence, it's crime, it's disparity. Yep. It's it's discouragement. And it's like, I don't want to read that every single day. Like I want I want to see something about thinking and modeling and um and, and projection about what the future looks like. And I can read that from a variety of different publications, but what about something that's built by black and brown people telling these stories, black trained journalists and things like data and investigative reporting? And then I also want to read about 
people that look like me for better or worse, right? Because mm-hmm. we're not just saying, oh, black people are great, everything they're doing is great, but we're, we're to looking at like, well, what's being created? How does this fit into the narrative of what is happening, um, you know, through various trends based on what this person is creating? What does the actual market value look like? And what do we potentially see as like being the future of this particular work? Um, so it really is, it really is this idea of, you know, one of our taglines is, um, you know, smart reporting on the black innovation economy or just less noise, smarter reporting. Our goal is to really be, you know, much more like violence yeah. <laughs> and you know, slow, that slow journey to understanding. Um, and I think that there's a crop of folks, you know, there's a crop of folks who want that kind of considered, thoughtful, meaningful work. Um, across their inbox. And so we do have a premium subscription. So, you know, our, our site is tpinsights.com. You know, we have a weekly briefing. It used to be daily, Monday through Friday. And then we learned that, hey, not everyone wants to, is, is going to read every single day and that's fine. Right. So what if we make a much more dense newsletter on Mondays and give you kind of an outlook of kind of what are the key highlights? What are the major moves? What are the key opportunities? Um, what are the kind of numbers we should be thinking about and considering as we go into our week? Um, and I think that that's worked very well for us. And that, you know, that continues to be sort of the highlighted pinnacle of, of our public of our public work. And then from the exclusivity standpoint, our premium content um, is definitely a lot of that, like, you know, thoughtful original stories and reporting Mm-hmm. Um, conversations with Black innovators every month, you know, via Zoom, which we've been doing since August um, of last year. And, you know, and then also an opportunity to take a look at our data indexes. So as as journalists and as reporters, we have like dozens upon dozens of uh, research data that we're kind of constantly either collecting or viewing and putting into various tables for our reporting and our work. And so we sort of package that as an opportunity to say, hey, here's, you know, here's something that we pull together. If this can help you in your industry and your decision-making process, like if you're an investor, uh, maybe you're, you know, an entrepreneur looking for certain resources. Um, We have like one of the producers at ABC Shark Tank who uh, books for some of their diversity calls. And he's like, oh, I I looked at your index on um, Black-owned co-working spaces. And so now when we go to cities, we try to see when we're looking for a place to rent out for the day for these calls, we try to see if there's a Black-owned co-working space there based on this particular index that you created. Um, so, really you know, the information- ecosystem. I'm sorry. So really fostering the ecosystem at all fronts with the journalism, with the data that you're providing that you're making accessible as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's, I think that there's so many different layers and tenants of, of, of folks who are, um, who are in these spaces, creating physical space, creating virtual space, uh, creating, um, capital kind of intensive spaces. And so, you know, from a journalistic perspective, you know, our our goal definitely is to inform um, and then allow people to really take the information and kind of make it apply to their work. Um, I think before I wanted to be very prescriptive in terms of you should be using it like this. And the reality is you just don't know, you know, you don't know what what the use cases are going to be because there's so many different kinds of individuals that actually subscribe to our work. So Mm. um, it's been a a learning journey as well um, through, through the years in in terms of producing this. Mm. You know, I want to, I want to dive deep because, you know, building something in a platform as big as the plug is no easy feat. So what have been some of the day-to-day challenges you've had to do with building a team, especially around COVID-19 and really, you know, building a platform such as amazing as the plug, you know, can you walk us through that? 
You know, it has been its own journey because I think when you start anything, you you may have a very clear vision for what you want yeah. and sort of slowly that morphs into something else. And sometimes, you know, that's a great thing because your individual leadership journey and how you lead is, is, is important, right? I think a lot of us can be practitioners, but aren't necessarily great leaders. Mm. So refining that leadership muscle is definitely something I'm very grateful that the plug is teaching me. Um, obviously, you know, COVID has derailed a lot of things, um, but, but fortuitously, you know, we've always been remote. We've always been a distributed team. And so in, in terms of production, there's like no, been, been no delays there. Now there were certain things that, you know, I was hoping to meet team members in person or of course, uh, various kind of in-person things that we were planning, but quite honestly, if anything, our business has grown tremendously as a result of COVID. And I think that, you know, for a couple of years, it was taking people a while to get what we were doing or attempting to do. And I think now with COVID and the work that we've put out um, from our infographics to our sort of data sets, people are like, oh, oh, this is what you've been doing this whole time. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Get here. You know, we've, we've been consistent. But the great thing about that consistency is that you're in position for when, you know, people are looking for what it is that you have. And so it made it easy to already have had an infrastructure for people to already kind of jump into it, right? And to, to really be able to say yes and to, to, purchase, to purchase, you know, to purchase what we're selling. Um, and so... You know, I think I think if anything, like because because of that foundation, it and because of our mission and because of our doggedness towards the kind of work we're doing and the kind of work that we are aiming to produce and how we're how we are attempting to show up in the world from a journalistic perspective, even from a business perspective, like right out of the gate, you know, creating a membership program and not relying 100 percent on advertising, yeah. um, you know finding different ways, you know, I built the partnerships, I built the relationships with some of our, our great brand partners. Um, you know, I've been telling the stories in rooms full of journalists about what we're doing and accomplishing and like how we are building out a niche-based audience, um, particularly focused on innovators of color. All of that groundwork was late. And so seeing kind of the explosion of our work make its way a little bit more or a little, a little bit more deeply into you know, pretty formidable spaces. It's like, yeah, like we have a whole body of work, a whole portfolio that's easy for you to now understand and to discover maybe for the first time. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think that, you know, we've been able to kind of take what has been a very challenging time for the country, I think especially a challenging time for black business and sort of foster foster deeply and step deeply into our identity and, and behind our mission. And, and even just now, like I feel so much more purposed. I felt purposed before, but now I feel extremely purposed about like what I'm doing, what I'm creating and why, why it matters. That's so powerful and why it's necessary in the world too, right? Yeah. So I, I, I want to ask you, Cheryl, what's next for you in the plug with all of the amazing things that you all are doing now, you know, what's next, whether it be two years, three years down the line, or maybe just next month, since we're all taking things day by day. Yeah, let's go next month because every I feel like the world completely changes week to week. Um, you know, we're going to be dropping a podcast pretty soon, and I think people are going to be very impressed by the work. Um, there's a lot of uh, historical 
information and insights mm. um, that we're going to be sharing that I think folks across various industries are going to be very um, excited to learn for the very first time. Um, very in-depth conversations with Black innovators and people whose names usually don't get the media attention. So I think that we're going to be impressed by not just what they've done, but who they are. Um, I think that's one thing we have to remember is telling the stories about about who Black people are, um, where they come from, who their families are, you know, why they do the work that they do, how they became technology. It already sounds powerful. You haven't even dropped oh, it. It's gonna be, oh, it's going to be lit. It's going to be lit. Seriously. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm excited about it for sure. Um, and, you know, and also, you know, we've got some really great new partnerships launching in different cities. So doing just much more targeted reporting in Black majority cities. So we we um, have an amazing partnership with um, with Word, uh, Black-owned radio station in Philadelphia. And so we will be releasing the, the Plug Philly in the coming months. And so we got some really um, incredible resources from um, an initiative through the Linfest Institute, Knight Foundation, and a couple of other partners sort of local to Philly um, who are, are really trying to increase access and opportunity for more local news reporting, particularly in underserved communities. And so Philly kind of being this rising hub for innovation um, and it also being a black majority city, it felt very apropos to team up with a local media player there and to to sort of collaborate on how we tell the stories of black business and black entrepreneurship within mm -hmm. the city. Um, and of course, long term, we talk long vision, two, three years out. Um, you know, my goal is to have, you know, some some multi-city reporting that, you know, Right now, the plug kind of does very general ecosystem. We kind of wherever the story is, we kind of cover that. But I think that we'll start to see you'll start to see more segmentation in terms of you know specific cities. You know, there's just there there's opportunity for depth, especially in Black majority cities. So that part I'm really looking forward to and continuing to just build out my team because, as you can imagine, it's a lot of work. And I don't have all the answers. I'm not the smartest. <laughs> I'm not the fastest. And so being able to have incredible and passionate team members on my team has even helped to extend the vision. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm fortunate to have some incredible freelancers and contractors. And um, I'm hoping, you know, to make some 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 real hires in the in the coming months as well. No, that's huge. This is huge. Thank you. And you've heard it here first on our live guide podcast. We're incredibly proud of all of the work that you're doing, Sherelle, to really change the narrative and actually create a completely new ecosystem and era on black innovation, which I think is a really, really powerful thing. You know what, Sherelle, where can our amazing community follow you and really be a part of the movement that you're building? Absolutely. Um, the best thing is to go to our website at tpinsights.com. Just think the pluginsights.com and to sign up for our weekly briefing. That's a great way to just get introduced to our work, to get connected to our stories, to see what kind of conversations are happening across the ecosystem. Um, and then also to follow me on Twitter because I'm always kind of randomly ranting about the world. Um, and I'm just at Sherelle underscore Dorsey, but definitely tpinsights.com to sign up for our newsletter. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Cheryl, we definitely need to have you on for a future episode. What do you think? I'm I'm down to come back from whenever. Just <laughs> let me know. Anytime. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, Tim.
with that said, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guy podcast. Please make sure to check out the plug and the movement that Sherelle Dorsey is building with the plug platform. It's incredibly powerful. And we're just thankful that she was able to find time and bless us with her presence on today's live episode. You know, if you're also interested in being a part of the guideapp.co beta program, check out guideapp.co on our website and sign up for our early beta. We are gradually releasing that. With that said, thank you so much for tuning in. Looking forward to speaking with you all soon. And I all, as always, I'm wishing you peace, love, and abundance. Peace. <laughs>